Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. I'm really excited to have you on Ghost of a Podcast. Do you want to start off by just introducing yourself? My name is Violetta Thompson. I am a black disabled woman, a badass millennial, proud southerner, and I am the founder and CEO of Ramp Your Voice, which is a blog organization that talks about disability from an intersectional lens, particularly the experiences of black disabled women and femies. I'm a social worker by trade, but I'm a speaker, consultant, writer, and I just love what I do. And I'm also a budding astrology head, so I'm really glad to be here today to talk with you about all things astrology and be geeky in the process. I am so excited you're here and I'm so excited to geek out on these two topics, which I feel like is just such a rich point of inquiry, uh, talking about disability rights, talking about the ADA and the astrology of it. Um, So this is really, really exciting. Also, can I just add that you have a great Patreon page that everyone should like research and uh, support and become a part of because you share hella great stuff. Yes. You can find it at patreon.com slash ramp your voice where I do a little bit more personal commentary about disability from the um, intersectional lens. I also do a mini podcast on there called Sipping Tea with V. Excellent. And links to all this stuff is going to be in the show notes. So what we're going to talk about today is the astrology chart of the ADA, which is the Americans with Disabilities Act, which occurred, it was like signed into law on July 26, 1990, so recently, at 1025 a.m. in Washington, D.C. So if anyone is wanting to pull up the chart, those are the stats of it. And the way that I got that time, in case anyone is curious, was we found the transcript from the law signing event with George Bush Sr. And so the time was on that. So that's how we got the 1025 AM for this event. So are you down to share like a summary of what the ADA is? Yes. Um, As a member of what we call the ADA generation, for me, the ADA provided protections and rights for us to basically have better access and be included in society. Um, For me, the ADA was very pivotal in my educational experience. I um, started kindergarten in 91. A year after the mandate, this really ensured that I had what is called is a free and appropriate public education, meaning that I could not be discriminated against or receive subpar education resources and supports than my non-disabled peers. It ensured that I had protections as a disabled student. And you know, that just really became pivotal for me. You know, my grandmother always face that children like me, uh, disabled children, particularly those in rural South Carolina in which she was born, um, did not go to school, did not participate in school. So this mandate along with you know, several others along the way has really enforced the fact that disabled people, especially children, have a right to attend public education and attend schools and to ensure that they have what they need to succeed, not just academically, but also socially as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the ADA, allows disabled people to gain access to public buildings, public um, entities to where we can order restaurants, movies, et cetera, to where they have wheelchair ramps and other accommodation needs that folks may require so that they can be fully integrated into the community and not feel like 
they cannot um, engage with society in ways because of their disabilities and cannot be discriminated against because of that as well. So mm -hmm. that is a small summary of what some of the protections and the rights that disabled people have been afforded with the passing of the ADA over the past 30 years and how it impacts those of us who are millennials and Gen Z, especially for those of us whose whole entire life knows nothing else but the ADA. Mm. And, you know, something that was really interesting to me as I was researching, because I had all these like assumptions about the ADA, but when I actually started to dig, I was like, okay, so the definition of disabilities is actually really wide. I think the, it was just very intentional from the history that I know so that it can be inclusive. Yeah. We have to think about the time period. You know, we have, you know, at that time, the AIDS crisis. We're 10 years out of that at the signing of it. You know, so we have all of these different um, disabilities, chronic illnesses, and so on and so forth. And we want to ensure that it encompasses a big umbrella. That was a quite big of a fight to do that. You know, it wasn't easy because there were, particularly for certain um, conditions like HIV AIDS, you know, where there was pushback to include that. So ensuring that no matter what disability you have, you have protections under the law. And there were people who were very intentional about ensuring that when this law passed, everyone that qualified did. Inclusiveness, as you found, that it is broad. And I was intentional in doing that, but also with the fight to allow that to happen, particularly for that time period. Because I think, you know, when we study these things, we have to remember not just the after of that, but also the time period and what were the issues and conflicts and social um, dynamics of that period. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even in 1990, the kind of conversation that we were having nationally around mental health, it was just a much smaller, much more conservative conversation. Now, the younger generations, I mean, all teenagers know what mental illness is. And so many kids have diagnoses, for better or for worse, regardless of whatever you think of that. It's just a completely different world around the conversation around mental health, which is encompassed within the ADA. I'm understanding right. that correctly, eh? Yes. And it's really interesting as you say that and you, you bring in the context of HIV and AIDS as being just huge in 1990 when this law was signed. But of course, the bill was brought to Congress a couple of years before that. It was, I think it was like 87 or something like that. And so when we look at this, it's interesting because the North Node of the ADA chart, which is the soul of the chart is in the fifth house in Aquarius. So we have kind of a sexuality, um, like individuation around sexuality and also kind of morals and values around it's kind of sexual agency in this chart, which I, when I was studying the chart, something that I was really interested in was how historically sterilization had been a really kind of common practice and encouraged practice for people living with disabilities. And this legislation, this law didn't actually end that, I, I don't believe, did it? No, it did not. But I'm really glad that you brought that up is that, you know, say people still being sterilized and institutionalized and many of them in, in these institutions were being sterilized without their consent, without their acknowledgement. You know, so you know, we just have that kind of conservative understanding at that time period, and even, you know, in some regards today, mm -hmm. you know, of, you know, the right of a disabled person to reproduce, to engage in uh, their sexuality and to engage with sex. So I think that's really poignant that that 
is noted in the charge about that type of um, sexual agency mm-hmm. that have not always been afforded to disabled people. It's interesting too, because, you know, the, the chart, and we can talk about this piece of it more, but the chart, it doesn't suggest to me that the law ends sterilization, but instead it's like the soul of the, the law. It shifts the kind of social acceptedness of saying disabled people can't have sex for pleasure, disabled people can't have sexual agency, disabled people can't procreate uh, or parent. And it's interesting that it's not in the law itself. And it actually is something that, you know, if only astrologers were at the helm of lawmaking, I would say in 2021, Uranus, it's already kind of started, but Uranus is going to be squaring the North Node and also conjoining Mars in the eighth house of this chart. And because of these two things, there's actually the potential that over the course of, you know, 2021 into 2022, there's a great potential for amendments to this law that will explicitly advocate for body autonomy and sexual agency within the ADA and making it a more explicit civil rights issue. What this chart is indicating and what the, what the transits to this chart is indicating more specifically is that there will be more eyes on this topic, and we're already seeing that, and that the more of the populace that is aware of the really oppressive practices of the government against people with disabilities, oftentimes, the more social outcry there is. And when there's greater social outcry, there's pressure on politicians to make shit change. And I wonder if you know if there's any kind of like push for that within the disability community or within uh, like organizers or activists work right now? I think the one thing we realize with the ADA is that though it gives disabled people many protections, it does not have the teeth to always be enforced. That's and it can't always be under attack. And with this particular administration at these times, we have seen the intention of chipping away at the ADA or yeah. the misuse of the ADA. So I think that is something that we all need to be aware of. We think, oh, disabled people have rights, but we may have rights, but it depends on who's in office. They may not respect the fact that we do have rights mm-hmm. and to ensure that those rights are protected and enforced and not reduced and weakened. Yeah. So I think that's something that we really, as activists, are always discussing with the ADA and also understanding that, you know, even outside of the administration, that the everyday person or organization don't respect the rights of the ADA either. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's always under attack in your way. You know, let me just back this up with the astrology in this chart a little bit, because, you know, there's the stellium in Capricorn. We have Uranus, Neptune, and Saturn all in the fourth house of this chart. It indicates a couple of things. And one of them is that, you know, so many people living with disabilities are at home or like don't have access to transit. They don't have access to public spaces as you were talking about. And so there's this way that, you know, it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind, which is a big part of why I think uh, there's a way that even kind of like well-meaning activists across like the spectrum of issues that people are working on forget because it's not in their face to include uh, disability rights and disability access in their organizing. There's another part of it, which is this chart holds a Jupiter-Saturn opposition. And in event charts, when you see a Jupiter-Saturn opposition or you see a Jupiter-Saturn square, what it tells us is that there's not enough money. 
that the budget is theoretical and that the indication here is exactly what you're saying about it not having teeth. It's ideas, great ideas, but where's the money coming from? And it's easy for governments, not just this current administration, which is clearly not an ally, but it is easy to be like, well, we'll just take a little bit of money from here and well, we don't have any money to add there. And it is reiterated in this chart with a Mars-Pluto opposition in the eighth and second houses, the houses where we tend to see uh, money. This is, again, like a constant struggle. So it looks like from this chart, money gets earmarked for the ADA and then it gets taken away. Um, so it's like this kind of constant reshuffling and it's what you're saying. Again, it doesn't have teeth. It's like it looks and sounds better than it actually is when push comes to shove. And it looks like that is kind of like across the board when it comes to implementing the ADA. Yes. Um, a good example of that is the transportation piece. You know, there's still transportation systems that are not accessible. A great example of that is the New York City subway system. There's been um, countless actions taking place, legal actions taking place um, against the transit system there to upgrade to ADA. And I think there's only probably a few subway systems that are fully accessible out of, I think, hundreds. I know that the you know, subway system there is pretty robust. So, you know, it's just really astounding at how 30 years later, you know, a very big system like New York Transit you know, subway system isn't up to code. And you would think a, a city who has the resources to do this and had the time to do this have not. So this is where we see some of the gaps with the enforcement of the ADA mm -hmm. and governments and agencies who utilize, you know, government resources and supports not using those supports and services to upgrade it. And also will uh, fight against the call to upgrade, you know, in being, having to be sued to bring this forward. So yes, and I think there's a lot of um, kind of give and take of, you know, funding not being pushed towards giving disabled students the resources and support that they need or upgrading a public transit system. We see the money always being allocated elsewhere instead of where it needs to be so that disabled people and everybody can utilize it. Because, you know, upgrading, you know, a subway system doesn't just benefit disabled people, it benefits parents with strollers. I know there was an incident a couple of years ago where, you know, the mom had an accident and she passed away from falling with her child and the stroller. So, Ugh. you know, access, the benefits everybody, you know, yes. it's not just this particular community. Yes. So, so that's, that's a great point to make about that teeth and the limitations and where the funding goes or doesn't go. That really is dire for not just inclusion, but just ensuring that everybody can engage with the world safely and fully. Yeah. And it's such a fucking shame that people feel, have to feel like it directly benefits them to like get on board for this. So I hope people listening to this are like, that is jacked. I'm going to start caring about this and mobilizing about this and making noise about this. But I, I really do think like anyone who uses public transit, which in metropolitan areas is essential to have access yeah. to public transit everyone eventually is going to need elevator access to the subway. You know, people, you know, you, you, you injure your ankle. You don't, you know, you don't have to have it as a long-term issue and you're going to be really grateful for having an elevator that can take you into the subway as opposed to a million stairs, which are completely inaccessible. But, you know, it's interesting because Mars in astrology 
it's like fast transportation on land. So it's like the subway, it's the bus. And having Mars opposite Pluto in this chart, it's also squared by the sun. It unfortunately clearly indicates the complete failure of the ADA to create, I guess the, the, the best way I'm thinking of saying it is like ironclad law around the need for transportation being accessible and, you know, there's a lot of forms of transportation that exists, but it's not always accessible in terms of like it being physically easy to access, but also financially accessible. There are services that are just really expensive and they don't even work. I'm lucky enough, I'm in the Bay Area. And when I worked with developmentally disabled folks for many years, and I worked with lots of people who had mobility issues or were in chairs, here in the Bay Area, we've got a very accessible public transportation system. And even within that, it was often broken and there was lots of problems and the kind of hygiene standards were not the same as on the trains and in the station in general. It's a damn mess. And it's something that we should all be concerned about, even if we are not, you know, as individuals directly impacted. It's a civil rights issue. And it's a deeply important one because how else are you going to get to work in school, let alone to like social events and job interviews and all that kind of shit, getting to medical appointments. You need public transit. So the other thing is this back to this like Saturn, uh, Neptune and Uranus conjunction. Like most of those planets are conjunct. Saturn's a little wide in the fourth house. You know, the ADA, what it does do pretty effectively as signified by all this Capricorn ship is building codes. It does look like that's one of the more effective places where the ADA has actually been able to do what it was supposed to do. Has that, is that also lined up with what you have seen that building codes are something that the ADA is pretty successful with? Yes. But I know that, you know, even when some of that is about their buildings who are older being either grandfather in and the stipulations surrounding that, and also with older buildings, I know with my alma mater going there, you know, of course, had to be ADA compliance. And sometimes the ramps are in the back of the building. So you have to, instead of going to the front of the building, you have to go to the back. Mm. Or you can have a very long ramp, which may or may not be very safe, because, but it's the way that it has to be structured to meet the way that the building was already there. So newer constructions, of course, has to be, ADA compliance, but the older construction, you know, depends on where you are, particularly if you live in a more rural area, you know, those may or may not be up to code. So, you know, that is something where the architectural aspect of the law can be a little shaky, and that depends on resource and supports, where those are allocated, it all kind of goes back to money. You know, yeah. where the, the importance of putting money to ensure that everybody has access. And honestly, everybody, again, benefits from having elevators or maybe having an entryway that doesn't have steps Mm -hmm. or um, having entryway that is in the front and not in the back, you know, to where you may have to go into the kind of shaky parking lot that may be gravel or maybe dirt. So I think that's a very big thing to where it does impact the building codes. But again, it depends on how new or old that building is and the priority that has been given to ensure that the code standard is up to date. 
So, you know, it's like, as you're saying that, I'm like, oh, right. It's, there's Venus at the top of this chart, which, you know, actually indicates everyone felt really good about themselves when they were signing the ADA into law. They were like, look at what wonderful people we are. We are grand. Like, it was just like a feel-good law. But then... Venus is opposed by Uranus and Neptune. So it's like this kind of structural, almost erosion to what the intention behind the ADA is. Again, if you don't have money, how are you going to be compliant to these laws? How can you invest in these laws? And if people who you know, have to use these like backdoor entrances or out of view of public, then it kind of perpetuates the reality where people aren't thinking about it because it's not in front of them. One of the things that is actually really positive that is happening right now is Pluto is forming a trine to the ascendant. So the identity, uh, so the sun and the ascendant are both identity points. So this is kind of like the identity of the ADA. That has, I would imagine, brought the conversation of uh, disability rights into the fore. And that's just happened to have coincided with the 30-year anniversary of the ADA, which is just really great for our internet who loves to like gobble up news and like talk about things when they're like on trend or whatever. It's coincided. And so it's a movement that can be leveraged, which actually it does look like it's really impactful. And it's a two-year period that when it's over, shortly thereafter, Pluto will form a trying to the moon of the ADA. So there's actually, we've entered into this period where there's more likely to be more care and attention to the ADA itself. And of course, that coincides with COVID-19. As you shop for masks in this new normal that we're all living in, consider others who rely on lip reading and facial expression for communication. Look into getting a clear mask, sometimes called a smile mask. Just look them up and consider buying them when you buy masks for yourself and your family. Have you seen any kind of shift in response to or around COVID-19 with the ADA and disability rights? Yep, um, with the pandemic itself, we've been seeing the misuse of the ADA regarding wearing masks and the abuse of it. And that kind of goes back to the weakness of where people abuse the meaning of the ADA and can distort it for their own gain. So we see that's going on right now, but also wondering about, you know, school year starting, what does that mean for our disabled students? You know, many of them have had already to adjust to distant learning, you know, at the end of this past school year. And now with the uncertainty of do they go back in the classroom, do they do all virtual? You know, everybody may be familiar, or some people, hopefully everyone, will be familiar with the story of Grace, who was the Black disabled girl in Michigan who was unfairly punished for her inability to adjust um, due to her disability to online learning. And she was criminalized for that. She was um, placed in the juvenile justice system for not finishing her homework. And that is something we need to keep a watch on. You know, and how... she's been released, right? Yeah, she has been released. But she was um, she was incarcerated for like a couple months, wasn't she? Yes, yes, yes. Horrifying. And if it wasn't for the activism of those uh, activists and organized in that area and also the media coverage, she probably still would still be in that institution. You know, the judge would not allow her to be released, you know, when, you know, the hearing came. And it was just so heartbreaking to have a child who just wanted to go home and who have a child who didn't do their homework because they had a hard time adjusting. 
you know, yeah. and I think we have to be mindful of children are being traumatized by these times as we are as adults. And they don't always have the words to say, I can't be in this moment. And some of them, if they do say it, they're not going to be respected. So I think that what we're going to see is how the ADA will be used to either uplift our disabled students or not. Yeah. And who gets to be uplifted and protected during these times if they don't adjust well to this new normal yeah. of what we're dealing with you know when it comes to schooling and who gets punished or not i think that's my biggest fear is our disabled students particularly those of color being unfairly punished like grace was for not getting into the rhythm of everything and not having their disabilities and their particular needs considered and having that type of empathy and understanding and extending grace and care mm. for our students so i think we need to be very mindful of who's going to be harmed within our school system, not just by getting sick, but also by possible criminalization and by being left behind when it comes to the academic success. Yeah. You know, there's there's two things that really come up for me around that. One is that I wonder if there's some sort of kind of resource for students who do have disabilities where they get free tutoring that is of quality. And I wonder if my brain goes instantly to, I wonder how many people could actually volunteer to be tutors to help students who are struggling. Does something like that exist or an organization like that exist? I'm sure probably on the maybe state and local levels. Okay. But I think that's a great idea if people want to do that. Maybe the folks who, you know, used to do tutoring in person or used to be do tutoring if they were in high school or college, maybe that's a service in which you can offer, you know, yeah. students who may need a little extra help who, you know, may not be able to adjust, not being able to get a teacher's individualized attention. You know, if you're feeling like, what can I do? Maybe that's something that you can offer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I, and I think that's something to kind of maybe all of us in some ways think outside of the box as to how we can support our students as they go back into the classrooms and thinking about what would they be missing if they're not in the classroom that they would need assistance in. So I think that's a great idea for people to think about. Yeah. So here's where it brings me to the next, the next thing that, that comes up for me from what you're saying. So in this chart of the ADA, we have Jupiter, the planet that governs education, in the 11th house, and that's the house of community, right? And so part of what the ADA successfully did do, I mean, not perfectly, but something that it did do is what you talked about at the onset of our talk, which is it kind of made education more accessible. And it, it kind of brought students into the classroom and gave them more support. Now, unfortunately, what we have happening astrologically is the planet Pluto is forming an opposition to Jupiter, which unfortunately can make things a lot worse within the education system in walks COVID-19 and, you know, teachers who were burnt out before and now all of a sudden they have to learn how to teach online or they go to school and it's like a whole new set of risks for them. And that just burns them out and makes them have less internal resources to share with students who need more attention. So we have the kind of risk of unfortunately, resources becoming a lot more scarce. The positive of a Pluto opposition to Jupiter in this chart is that it can force the conversation, make it more public. It's kind of like, unfortunately, you know, I hate to use one student's uh, personal situation as an example, but with Grace, you know, it was so awful what happened to her. It probably wasn't that new or shocking in the context of the shit that goes on in the world. But because of the world as it is. And because of the constant 24 hour news cycle, we have the potential to have more light, more eyes on 
this problem so that there can be transformation and movement on the topic. So this Pluto opposition to Jupiter has really great potential for things getting worse, but also for things getting better, for there to be more awareness and then a transformation around how we react, how we respond as a society. And that brings me to my third and final question from all the things you just said. You mentioned how um, the use of masks is being kind of misappropriated or misused. Can you kind of unpack or explain what you mean by that? Um, People are basically saying that this kind of using the ADA as a way of not wanting to wear the mask, saying that they cannot wear the mask, and this and that, and the third. Um, there, so wait, the people who are saying, I can't wear a mask because I can't breathe, or whatever it is, they're standing behind the ADA for that? Yes, um, <gasps> to a degree. Um, so they're basically misusing the ADA for their own individualized gain. Like, of course, there are people who cannot legitimately wear masks. You know, let's, I yes. want to make that plainly clear. Absolutely. But yes. these people are individuals who most likely can wear a mask, but don't. Yeah, yeah. And that is a huge, huge problem because, you know, you're misusing a law for your own selfish Mm -hmm. reason. And that's basically what this is. People being selfish. People, and we've seen how this goes over the past few months of people being selfish about not wanting to look out for their own health, but also the health of others. Mm -hmm. So this misusing of the ADA isn't isn't foreign necessarily when it comes to the ADA, but I think it's really shocking to see people misuse it in these times to where we know the effectiveness of masks if one is able to wear them. I know, you know, in the same vein when it comes to this punishing of like students who may not wear masks too and understanding how that goes as well particularly with the school environment. So being mindful of how the resistance of not wearing a mask can look very different based on the setting and based on the who of that, who can wear a mask and cannot, and the reason why, and the enforcing of that, particularly with the country of schools and how, again, students of color, disabled students, disabled students of color may be unfairly targeted by their inability to wear a mask that will most likely be legitimate and being, again, punished for not doing so or punished for not following the rules. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. And Mercury is in the 12th house of this chart. And what it does, it's interesting. It's, it's almost like it silences teen voices, which is a, an odd thing to see in the ADA chart. It makes me wonder, <laughs> um, you know, exactly what that's about, or I'm not exactly sure how to interpret that. I almost wonder if the way that the ADA supports disabled students that are not uh, university age students, but, you know, high school students, middle school students, if it kind of keeps them separated from each other so that they're not actually able to organize and all of that, it kind of shows up in the chart that, you know, we do see so much activism from teens, but when you're dealing with everything of being a teenager in addition to dealing with disabilities it is just like another hurdle is there any kind of like community component like a kind of bringing students together in the ada i don't know that there is i think one thing that i found is that with single students there can be segregation based on placement whether students are in quote-unquote mainstream classrooms or the special education special education classrooms. And again, adults kind of get in the way of mm-hmm. students having this community for themselves. I know that from my own experience, you know, there was this great divide between us students who were in the mainstream classrooms versus students who were in uh, special education and the worlds not merging together. 
But yeah. even though we all knew each other, even though we all felt under the special education umbrella, but there was that separation of us, you know, based on placement. So I think that adults is kind of standing the way for disabled students to band together, to talk about, you know, ways in which their schools and communities can't be more accessible, how they're being discriminated against, how they're being harmed. Mm-hmm. And that type of community is needed, particularly in the teenage years, as you're figuring out your bodies and minds and what you like, if you know, got the peer groups and peer pressure and all that, it would be the time to where disabled people who are growing into their identities on many levels would have that type of community, which will allow them to build the school of pride, to have that community, to have have people who understand who they are without always having to explain it to everyone yeah. else. So I think that it would be wonderful to see disabled students be uplifted to become activists and activists at that young age and watch them grow into that. I think that is something that that we need to allow and to really allow them to flourish and to you know uplift them in that process. Of course there are disabled activists, you know, yes. who are teenagers, but it would be great to see how much more we would have if there wasn't those barriers or that segregation in existence. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, you know, I actually think that the Pluto opposition to Jupiter and the Uranus transits that I mentioned earlier, Uranus conjunction to Mars in the eighth house and squaring the North node in the fifth, all indicate that there is a potential that we will see greater organization now in part, because I think a lot of students are learning online. And so in a way, it makes it a lot more accessible for uh, disabled people to find each other and to bound together because they're doing it on a Zoom instead of having to navigate physical space, right. you know, th- this very problem of kind of like the lack of socialization that's encouraged and facilitated within the schools. I can't help when I look at this, this chart of the ADA to wonder if that has to do in part with the lack of validation and support around like the sexual agency of disabled teens, of recognizing that part of why we socialize in high school is because we need to get our flirt on or we need to be tortured by a crush or whatever. That is part of being a teenager. And I think this like desire to desexualize people with disabilities, it's really problematic because having body autonomy, having pleasure through your body, having feelings, those things are part of the human experience. This idea that sex and sexuality is for procreation, we all agree, or most of us agree, is really outdated and we, do, we reject it. But it still gets projected onto people with disabilities in a, in a way that I think, again, the ADA chart actually articulates that. It articulates it in several places. And in those exact places of the chart, those are places that are being challenged astrologically in 2020 and 2021. Thank fucking God. Like, let's, let's keep talking about that because I think it's really important that we encourage people to get to know their bodies and get to know their feelings and validate their autonomy. So th- this is, this is, again, it's like all in the damn chart. I want to just point out one more trans, well, two more transits if I can. Can I steal you for a few more minutes? Yes. Okay, cool. So one thing I want to acknowledge is that at the end of 2019, it was the Saturn return. So it was the first like time of maturization of the ADA. Do you remember what was going on, if anything meaningful, in December of 2019 in regards to the ADA? This was before COVID-19 became like a global sensation. Yes, I think I shared with you um, the administration's siding with 
like more love supported more so the institutionalization of, of disabled people and we know how that goes with the history of storing us away you know kind of you know that being exclusive but also um, acting like we don't exist yeah you know and you know that's such thing as the ugly laws i know me and you talked about before and so i think that the kind of it's always winding back the clock you know that we see this administration particularly does and it does it with everything else so you know it's yes. it's pretty on brand sadly yes so yes yes in this in this regard but it is really kind of the winding back of the rights of the same people and the rightful fear of what that means for those of us who may be particularly vulnerable to mm -hmm. possibly be institutionalized again for whatever reason the reasoning or anybody's institutionalization um, because of their disabilities you know so i think that you know, all of these things you know, that we see the administration doing at the chipping away of the ada whether it's a big chip or a small chip that is still you know impacting the strength or lack thereof in some cases of the ada to be effective and to be you know by their standards weakened and not strengthened and there's mm -hmm. a lot of work that can be done to strengthen the ADA. Yeah. Um, but this administration and the supporters of this administration do not see it as a priority to protect it and to ensure that it's enforceable for everybody. And again, that access, that enforceability goes um, beyond just disability. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting because when I think about the Saturn return. I'm not just thinking about the, the event of the Saturn return, although yes, very fucking much so, but also it's the opening of a new 29 and a half year cycle of the ADA. And over these next three years post Saturn return, this is a particularly fertile time to be thinking legislatively and to be thinking culturally and to be having public conversations about the reach, impact, and very structure of the ADA. My great hope is that this happens. And that brings me to the kind of final thing that I wanted to name, which is that next year in 2021, the ADA's Midheaven is going to go through a square by Neptune for about two years. And so my hope is that what we see is a lot more media, TV, movies, anything visual media that is both becoming more accessible, but also tells more stories of disabled people and has more disabled people telling their own damn stories and being at the table for the kinds of stories that get told and how they get told. This is like the one of the great things about Neptune is it governs media and the power of, of like storytelling. And in particular, the reason why I say visual storytelling is because uh, Neptune is that like it, it's like movies and TVs and shit like that. So it's that kind of storytelling as opposed to just writing or just audio. And this is something where we, the more we see a cultural shift where people have a personal kind of like stake in it, the, the more activated we get, the more likely we are to get kind of change in legislation. So it's like anyone listening who works in Hollywood, uh, TikTok, get on it right now. Uh, you, are, you are late to the party, but please welcome, come. <laughs> yes, and also making sure that we're going to tell safe stories. It's not the white disabled male cisgender stories because there are disabled people of color. There are disabled people of color who are queer. There are disabled women of color. Um, there are disabled black women. Um, so I think that's um, something we all need to keep in mind. You know, when we think about a lot of disabled media, like visual media, like movies and shows, 
it is typically the stories of white disabled men. And I know I'm tired of it. I know men of us in the community are tired of it. So if you are somebody with power and resources and support in Hollywood and other industries, don't go to the good old standby of white disabled men storytelling. Also move away from hiring non-disabled actors playing disabled roles as well. Yes. Which is what we call cripping up those when non-disabled actors play disabled characters. So understanding that there are disabled actors and actresses, there are disabled writers, producers, directors, and so forth. So if you don't know the stories, there are plenty of us out there, myself included, who can tell you what kind of stories we would love to see. And to diversify that storytelling that will allow society to understand the, the disabled experience outside of the non-disabled games, outside of the non-disabled understanding of disability that that feel good, that doesn't really feel good to disabled people. You know, that's for non-disabled folks, that kind of sympathy, pity, or like, oh, disabled person, oh, I feel so sad. Oh, disabled person, can I help? You know, those type of storylines doesn't do anything for us as a people. They're more so for you all. Mm-hmm. So being attention about not only who's in front of the camera and behind the camera, but also the stories being told that is truly reflective of the biggest minority group in this country and the world. Mm. You know, first of all, beautiful. Yes, thank you. Also, I love on your, your Twitter bio, I think it says hashtag disability too white. Yes, too white. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love that hashtag. I don't know if you came up with it or if you just like, oh, I did. like you did. It's amazing. There was, oh, wait, there was something that you said the first time we talked about this. And it was so important because I asked you about, you know, the word dis- disabled or disability because there's this like evolution of language with all identities. But you said, not using the word disability, you said like, if that's for me, it's not for you. You said that being disabled is a huge part of your identity, just like racial identity or sexuality or gender identity. I think that, you know, with disability, people look at it as a pity thing or a sorry thing. And by sorry, I mean like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. And like, nothing happened to me. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. And instead of seeing disability as a sense of empowerment, as an identity, as a sense of pride, as a community, as a history, disability is very rich. You know, we are a very rich people with a culture and the complexities that just really, you know, are not understood, not because it's hard to understand, but because there's not an effort to understand not an effort to understand us and to see us as people, you know, people see us as our diagnosis and not as whole, you know, as a social worker, I have this holistic understanding in my approach and how I deal with people in my practice and how I view the world and disability, disabled people especially are not afforded that. And when you have other marginalized identities, like being a color, being queer, uh, trans and so forth, your humanity definitely gets, disregarded on top of the disability. So Mm -hmm. for me, when I say that I'm disabled, it's reclaiming an identity that was stripped from me because of society's ableism, because of society's ignorance about what it means to be in these disabled bodies and minds and what it means to possess them and the ignorance surrounding that, that society doesn't choose to correct, but instead projects onto us. So I think that, you know, disabled people are disabled not because of who we are, 
you know, but by society's understanding of who we are, you know, by the discrimination, the prejudices and the biases that impacts our quality of life, impacts the opportunities and supports for us to thrive and not just barely survive. Embracing and reclaiming the terms disability or disabled is an act of empowerment and in some ways an act of defiance into what society views us in these in this particular life experience and who we are versus what they deem us to be that does not at all align with our essence. Mm, so beautiful. I just I cannot thank you enough for spending this time with me and helping me unpack this chart. It's patreon.com slash ramp your voice, right? Yes. People, you really need to like go to rampyourvoice.com where there's just so much. Yes, yes. And you can also hire me as a consultant or a writer or public speaker. Um, I'm doing a freelance in life right now. So Great. So yeah, I am available for your organizations in case you want to add a disability justice lens or an intersectional lens. Um, I've been doing some work within movement spaces, particularly um, black movement spaces, about getting them in some ways information. Uh, as Beyonce would say, when it comes to understanding how disclosive justice is an instrumental part of movement work and how to be intentional about including black disabled folks in what they do. So I am available for hire. Also, you know, just you know, be supportive of the work of black women and particularly black disabled women, since we are not as visible as other um, women groups. So just being intentional about if you follow folks on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, who are you following? And are they giving you, you know, their work in some ways for free? You know, if you're following us on Twitter, are you learning? And if you are, you know, put a little money in the collection plate. If they have a Patreon like I do support, you know, or hire them for certain services that they offer. So now it's time to really uplift disabled people, particularly those of us who are of color and in my case, black disabled women in what we do we've given ourselves so much deathlessly in many cases to this work and it was you know great to be supported you know by your listeners and everyone else who's stumbled upon what i do and just really feel love you know this is a lot of work you know it's not easy being in this predicament of being outspoken and have to speak against injustices but it's a calling that you know few answer and it's one that I answered, and I always find eventful ways to bring my work into new spheres, just like being on your podcast, Jessica. You know, I'm, you know, a novice in the astrology realm and learning, so it's just really great for us to connect to bringing two passions together effortlessly. I just, I love your work. I love what you do. I am so grateful that you've spent time on the podcast and uh, I'm just really hopeful that more people go forth and support you on Patreon and also hire you for your consultancy work. All links will be in show notes. So I guess we did what we came here to do. I know we had a good time doing it too. And we did. And we did. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Every year they say the end is near. But we're still here, yeah we're still here